Hey y'all, it's CJ here, and this is a song of Black and Brown. How are you doing? Today we're going to be talking about keeping calm and to stop normalizing white supremacy. Before I go further, let me share with you some words by Billie Holiday and E.L. America called. Back in 1937, they did this together. Southern trees be exchanged fruits, blood on the leaves and blood at the roots. Black bodies swinging in the southern reeds, strange fruits hanging from the poplar trees. Pastoral scene of the gallant south, the bulging eyes and the twisted mouth. Scent of magnolias sweet and fresh, and the sudden smell of burning flesh. Here is a fruit for crows with the puck, for the rain to gather, for the wind to suck, for the sun to rock, for the trees to drop. Here is a strange and bitter crop. What do you think about that? That's pretty heavy, isn't it? As the title of this piece, Strange Fruits. It is a strange fruit. Slavery. Quite a dynamic, unique fruit. It's one which we, as black and brown people, had to eat and digest for a long time, including the novel. See, here's the thing. Here in the Northeast, we seem to act as if Slavery didn't happen. We ignore its existence. You know, we talk all these things about equity and, you know, diversity and inclusivity and how we want to be so progressive and we care so much. A lot of the virtue signaling, really, as the young people call it, virtue signaling. And I say that because that piece that I just read, it's very true, is a depiction of bodies, the slave bodies that were hanging, what level of evil would take joy and pride in killing somebody? And not only that, but hanging their carcasses up for the world to see. I'm going to warn you before I proceed that I'm going to say things that I think, I may say things that may hurt, I may say things that will make you angry, but I am talking in mine and many others' truth. And I hope that freedom of speech applies. I also dare to say that we know that fighting or gatekeeping. This is our existence when we walk on our own it. This is what it is. And I'll also say that I probably won't do it 100% of this because nobody's perfect. So I probably won't cover every single aspect. But I probably will cover enough, and I hope enough where you either choose to challenge the bullshit change it, re-educate or educate yourself if something has to give. Because we talk about these great things, but we want to see it. It's so interesting, recently I caught up with a friend who's not on the Northeast, someone I recently met, and listening to their thoughts on the Northeast did not surprise me as someone who migrated from a trend to you know, in my country that looked like a pillow blue. You know, the value system there is very different than what is here, especially in the Northeast. See, what I see as an issue is the Northeast prides itself on being so progressive, but really, there's a lot of conservative, racist, whatever word you want to put on it. The point is, it's not progressive at all. Malcolm X talks about the white liberal. If you've got, you talk about being careful with the white liberals, you know. And he also, like others, such as Hugh Pinkman and Joseph David, Kwame Boy, 
and many, many other organizations following us. They all spoke about why we, as non-white, non-privileged people, have to be involved and well-represented at its core. You see, my friend, if you have not, I encourage you, if you have, I encourage you again, to watch or rewatch the underground road. Because we need to remember where we came from. Sometimes I think many of us forget. When I ask about one of the obstacles of the movement that I come across that always enduring, for me, it would always be an encounter in fellow black and brown people who would quicker try to discredit and devalue my views and sway me and utter ignorance in the process, right? As opposed to trying to understand, you know, imagine them pretending to me about acceptance, which you're not accepting my point of view. So what do we really do here? Absolutely fucking nothing, right? Now, also here in the North, just going back to the conversation, I've heard we're talking about different things, North versus South. And as they pointed out, in comparison to the North and the South, there's no in between. Either you're racist or you're not. You don't know who's racist. I don't know who's not by way of their words and their actions. You don't even know where you shouldn't have been at a life work. Like, you don't know, okay, I'm going to wait my time on a planet that also because it's very, you know, white power over there. So, you're not interested in seeing me in the office. In comparison to North, however, that is masked so delicately. But that's why it has so much space. And this is why we say black and brown people I mean, need white people to defend, correct each other, and also accept your truth. Also, to be included in that group, I would say, 10% not the whole line. Because you see, the black and brown people who identify with thinking of white, however you want to whatever you want to refer to them as themselves, whatever it is, one student I realized that they have you know, so the rest of us are standing in the river, but not standing up with us, or standing for us. You know, these people need to really have a reality check, because here in 2023, I don't know where we all have been, but we're still fighting for health care all. Imagine that, after everything that COVID did, we're still fighting for health care all. We act as though there's not a howling or a food security issue. Right, because when we look at who is impacted, we are so used to being impressed. Ridiculous. Listen, black and brown people are not surprised. You know, it's so interesting when certain things happen. There's sometimes when there's a particular going. Right, because in the number of things that are happening in front of us, the different ways we have been exploited for our talent and our knowledge and our experience. Let me just go one. So, where I'm from, containers are used. That's no big deal. That's not a, you know, to me that was nothing. When I migrated here, you know, sort of containers was a big sale. You know, you had to go there and buy the Tupperware because you want to get the matches and this and that. I didn't have that. I'm going to upcycle. What if I get Chinese food? That container that the soup was in will not be a full container. Now, when the black and the brown people do it, it's all survival. So 
But when white people do it, it's full of genius. What's wrong with that picture? Survival versus genius. What does that really look like to you? See, us as black and brown people, we're so used to surviving in the We live a practices in the Northeast You know, if you were to really sit down and digest some of the cases that happen, and the thing that black and brown people, you know, lose their titles, job, and everything else when it's stuff that, you know, happens to us that's just accentuated. I mean, it's no secret. When a black or brown person commits crime, white or people, whatever color you want to call it, you know, uh, gun violence, you know, we are immediately, immediately labeled. There's not a question in the world of guilty as charged. You did that. We are stigmatized. We are not allowed to have a personality. We are not allowed to have a fault. We're supposed to come to school and we are told and if we tell the teacher we disagree, we have a different opinion, that's a problem. We're supposed to go to college and see the inequity, the house inequity right there in the college dorms. And even the food right, and the lack of access to medical care. We're supposed to see that and say that's cute. What's next? And when the white people see it, right, it doesn't matter if it's choosing ignorant or not, just with clarity. I just want to add, you tend to find more white people get called a lot of that. Do you find that ironic? I don't. Because the reality is, aside from profit and from enslaving us, white people get the profit from liberating us, and they get the control of that too. You know, as this friend pointed out, you know, they could not help but acknowledge that in the Northeast, right, in the section of the United States, in the nonprofit space, you do not see black and brown people being represented as much as they do in the South. What do I mean? See, here in the Northeast, let's say we had a flood, a major flood, and we needed to provide supplies to people and whatnot. Everybody leading that cause, everybody who's made the decision, I'm not going to that, but I'm going to most of the individuals involved, I would dare say 85% or higher will be white. Okay, and they will have some level of privilege that makes you wonder how the hell would you know what their experience is. Now, see, and this is accentuated as you go along. You see a lot of white people taking up spaces in our courses. You know, let me say something. I'll say it again. I said it before. That's not helpful. It has to be about us. It has to be with us. It has to be for us. We have to be involved. You can't just talk for existence and treat us like, you know, a relic in a museum. That's been done time and time again. If we're really going to be talking about diversity and equity and inclusivity, it has to look, operate, the way that it sounds. With the thing after all the different cases of police brutality and injustice as it was black and people, you would assume, as progressive and what it claims to be, this would be passe, this would be passe. We would be seeing black and brown leadership everywhere. We would be seeing more and more black and brown. Agencies, organizations, nonprofits, or profit being featured, being utilized within the government. But you don't see that. 
to see is a lot of white liberalism and a lot of white theorism and a lot of virtue signaling. And when you hear about it is when one of the main players in the ball has a fall, say, they get called out of drunk driving, say, there's a case that happened at their house or something or something that exposes their other side. And then you sit there and you ask yourself, but this person was in charge of what? And doing what? Because they get the profit from our oppression from every freaking fucking angle. And what do we do? We have so many black and educated, intelligent black and brown people who cannot find jobs. They are not. They're not being hired. They're not being used. They're not being empowered. They're not being put at the forefront. They're not being supported. They're not being respected. Why? Why is that? That's brain drain. Because guess what happens when there's black and brown people cannot be successful here. They'll go elsewhere. We just lost all the person who could have reinvented or created something. And that's something really historical. Right? Why is it so Because he gets to do what he and just exist in this realm that he cannot be touched. I mean, what more does this man have to do? But you see, like I mentioned before, he knows he's not going to get punished. This man gets to do what he wants, say what he wants, be as crude, crass, and racist. He's going to get a tap on the hand and he's going to get to retire. Meanwhile, while he gets to do that, the government also looks for more money and funding for the prison system and for mass incarceration while taken away from the education system. See, that's another form of subliminal racism. One of the things that happened in the black and brown community that was quite devastating, but again, we're so used to not having, we just let it go. We allowed these folks to justify why our after and before school programs could no longer exist. So many working black and brown people rely on these programs. Do you not realize how many black and brown people work two jobs? Or maybe they have a shift that starts and ends at odd times, right? It's bad enough that in general, black and brown people would tend to have more jobs over their lifetime. Why? Because they tend to be the ones that are terminated first when the company is under duress or if their services are no longer required for whatever that might look like. They're the first ones to go. We saw that during COVID when many companies were scrambling to figure out what tomorrow will bring, right? The downsizing was astronomical, okay? And the only real reason why unemployment mattered so much to white people was because now they started to have to deal with filing for unemployment and having to live within this tiny means they started to have to fight with the fact that their unemployment does not match their cost of living. So now it's important. Now it. Now let's take a look at what just happened to Don Lemon and Carl. Uh, was his name Tucker Carlson? Now I don't know where you've been, but and I don't know what you think or know of that. But here's what I could tell you: Tucker Carlson is going to be fine, and here's why. Because compared to Don Lemon, now I'm not saying, please don't try to come for me with nonsense. I'm not saying that I agree with the things that Don has said. Not at all. Quite the opposite, actually. 
But what I'm saying is, in comparison, Tucker has that backup. See, I, I said this before, and I'll keep saying it until somebody actually realizes it, it is the truth. The Republicans and the racists will back each other up. In comparison, what will happen is we will now have to fight our own community, ourselves and everybody else, to have some level of validation, okay? This is what I mean by normalized and subliminal racism. The racism happens in such a way that we end up taking the ownership when, in fact, it probably didn't belong to us in the first place, right? But the real question is, how do we address it? So here's how we have to address it. Well, first of all, surprise white people, this is where you become useful because what should happen is that you should now recognize the monster and the monstrosity you have created because you created this, right? Again, our oppression is as old as slavery. You made it, you should fix it. Now, when I say fix it, I did not say you do virtue signaling. I did not tell you to go create nonprofits or organizations that care so much about us. And it's really a show for you. I didn't say that. What I'm saying is recognize that you need to step back and give us the space we need to flourish. What I'm saying is do things like recruit, train, hire, and retain black and brown leadership. What I'm saying is make the opportunities for growth and development possible. Stop the gatekeeping. Stop the damn gaslighting because Dom is going to end up being gaslit and gatekept. Any black or brown person who has gotten up, now not, again, let me just put the disclaimer. I did not say that I agree with what he was saying. I'm saying that the stuff that he said, the things that he said, you know, they were real malicious, some of it, ignorant, some of it. I mean, I got other adjectives to describe it. People took it in different ways. You know, you're talking about women's rights here, right? And his approach was not one that was well respected, right? Because a lot of people didn't agree with his point of view. Now, in comparison to his friend, Tucker Carlson, what's going to happen is Dom will have to fight and claw his way back into community now because how dare a black person or a brown person have an opposing opinion and not be punished, right? But when a white person does it, and that's why Tucker Carlson, you know, he's fine. He knows because look at, look at what's going on with Donald Trump, right? Look at what has happened with everyone around Donald Trump, right? Anybody involved in this, in, in that whole shit show, look at what happened with the people from January 6th. We know that there were vehicles that left out of the Northeast, but they are yet to be, you know, to be dealt with. Now, let me run down the street and sneeze too hard. And some way, somehow, the community and the government has the time and money to incriminate me. See, we need to stop this fascination with and, and this, this power that tearing on black and brown people has. We have to stop it. And this is something that everyone can do together. And how do we stop it? Well, the white people on the job and elsewhere, the schools, the hospitals, 
they need to get up and stand up and say how they really feel about the inequity that they see. And they need to be forthright with that, and they need to be brave. See, we're right back to being on that plantation, and we need some good white people to tell the other white people to cut it the fuck out. Stop chasing the money. Start really empowering the people. Okay? That is what needs to really, 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 really happen. We need the black and brown people to really, really acknowledge that we need to support each other. We need to take care of each other. We need to have those conversations in and amongst our community to show that we care about each other again. See, again, I'm going to refer you back to the Underground Railroad. I want you to think about that. See, back then, we saw the whips. It was physical and right in front of us. We saw the torture. It was physical and right in front of us. It was blatant. It was obvious. So we were scared. And, you know, we tried our best to help each other as much as we can and as much as we could. But now, because the racism and all the other forms of discrimination is so subliminal, we have actually found and grown used to accepting it. We don't care about the fact that we have our children waking out at these bus stops at different corners, right? You know, alone sometimes. Where's the security for the children? You all care so much about the gun violence. I don't hear you talking about making sure that our children could get to school safe, much less be safe in the schools, okay? White people in general have a fascination with slavery and that, that whole concept and the violence associated, okay? Now, just because I said the word violence and slavery, it doesn't mean that this is limited to police officers or anyone military. No, 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 no. You have to remember something. One of the sickest parts about slavery was the fact that there were white people watching the torture and enjoying it. That is what subliminal racism essentially is. Knowing that this is about to happen, knowing that this will ruin this person, knowing that this will create what knows and who knows what, right? But you don't give a fuck. You just want them to suffer. And what you're going to do, you're going to create a scenario where you make it plausible and possible. You're going to make sure that your actions are justified by having enough buy-in. Now, you tell me what and what I just said is different from what the slave masters used to do. What's the difference between gate lighting, gas keeping, and get, I'm sorry, gate lighting and gas keeping from whips and chains? What's the difference? There is none. There is none. Time and time again, we've seen in this community, in our black and brown community, when black and brown people get up and stand up, when they don't fit into the status quo, they get shut down. If they make it that far, because trust and believe, like you look at the jobs, the job market, you don't see us being featured. You would think in, in big America that's so progressive and all about all these different values, and now we recognize the genders, and now we recognize the races, and now we're, you know, acknowledging that immigrants are actually quite useful to our communities and societies. We say all these great things, but do we mean them? And the answer is no. How is it that we have such a hard time having a black president? We saw what happened with Obama. I'm not saying I was his biggest supporter, nor am I saying I'm a Republican. I'm just saying the mere thought 
and concept of black and brown leadership is too much for some of our white people. And the worst offenders are the conservatives because they hide and mask themselves very delicately and they sit in high places. Okay, best believe that. So what they do, they address everything from a business point of view. Anytime you have people basing their, their decisions on how to manage people and there's money behind it, there's discrimination there too. Guarantee you that. It's not about what's best for the company or best for the employees. It doesn't matter that having more black and brown leadership will demonstrate that the company itself is forward thinking and is not wanting to or tied to any type of racist ideology, right? That's, that doesn't seem to be appealing, even though here we declared racism. But you know what the mistake was when we declared racism in Connecticut? We turned it into a study. What the fuck more do you need to study? What do you need to study? I mean, what's going to be the end result? I don't see any reports since racism was declared about any changes to the job market. I don't see any type of accountability or anywhere that, you know, changes were made. It was just something that was done and then the page was turned. Where's the progress there? Do you not realize how many people died? How many people suffered? I mean, back then our ancestors were whipped. Some of them had liquids poured on their wounds just so they could suffer. Or, you know, um, if, say, Massa found that two slaves were getting along too much, break that shit up, I'm going to make you have sex with other people in front of each other. One of the more appalling things of the many, the many, many aspects of slavery was the way black and brown women were treated. Yeah, and it's still happening now. See, we get personified as angry, not as having gone through, you don't know what my life is. You don't know if I'm having shit going on at home. You don't know if, you know, my landlord, what is a maintenance issue. You don't know what's going on, but I'm angry. It doesn't matter. I'm angry. Through the gate, there's no empathy for anything that we go through. Then we go to work and we're being watched like hawks. There's no room for us to grow. There's no interest in us developing. And if we do those things, if we start to develop and we start to you know, show leadership, and we start to show impact. We're a problem now, but for all the wrong reasons. See, because some white people cannot handle being outdone by a black or brown person. They just can't. It's a threat. But you know what's another thing that comes under the subliminal racism? It's how they get rid of us. See, back during the more renowned, see, we're still in slavery, whether you all know that or not. Just, I just want to put that out there. We're still there. We're just not running down the railroad and hiding each other anymore. What we're doing more of, we're normalizing it. And we're trying to find ways to exist within it as opposed to saying enough is fucking enough, right? We don't really pay attention to the fact that the slavery never ended. It just got revised. Tell me if this is not slavery. Tell me how different this is from slavery. Imagine you're going to work and your bad work is the example being used. Or imagine doing a great job, but that's a problem. I'm telling you, subliminal racism is dynamic. Imagine going to school and being one of the smartest in the class, but because you come from a poor neighborhood, you do not get selected 
for certain classes on that basis. They try to justify the shit. Oh, these classes are meant for students who are from this city and this city. Bullshit. Okay, imagine applying to colleges and you're having to do an intake examination or interview, they say, but you can't really answer the questions with the responses they want to hear because you did not grow up in a privileged existence. So when the interviewer asks, well, what's your experience working with animals? Well, I have a cat. Or you don't even have a cat. Well, you don't even have streets to have a cat or a dog. But then the person next to you who's white talks about the farm and they're milking this and they're making wool with that. You know, we get slapped with the privilege everywhere we go, right? Even at the fast food outlets. They made the dollar menu so the poor people could still enjoy because they knew we can't afford that $10 meal. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but you buy that $10 meal, and what are you really paying for? There are times, I'll admit it, there are days when, you know, I might be out and about and I say, hmm, maybe I'll get this, maybe I'll get that, and I have to have a conversation with myself and say, nah, I'll go home and make something. It's healthier anyway. See, unlike the slaves back then, the slaves now do not talk to each other, nor are we willing to accept the harsh truths of certain things. Because you see, after slavery, and what would happen in community after that, and especially in the black and brown communities, as we move toward being legally, as they say, freed, you know, we dispersed. And in that disbursement, I just made up a word, I think, um, you know, we decided to make decisions with our lives that weren't always the best ones for our community, meaning some of us decided to ignore our blackness. Some of us decided, you know, the whiter, more whiter I could be, as they say, more whiter, not just whiter, more whiter, right? We decided that we wanted to do the implants. We decided we want to look like them, talk like them, be around them, enjoy life like them. And we ignored, ignored ourselves. See, what happens typically in the movement, there's a lot of ins and outs to this thing. You know, as a friend pointed out, you know, they were quite confused as to why you're not seeing more black and brown people in organizing. And it's because we're getting shoved out of every fucking space. Look at what happened with the Black Lives Matter movement. How did a movement about us not become about us? But it happens all the time. Look at immigration reform. When people hear about immigration reform, who do they really think about? Do they think about the people who are fleeing because where they lived, which most likely was exploited by America at one point or the other, they are no longer safe? Do they think about that? Do they even consider that? And the answer is most likely no, because we don't exist. We don't, you know, our pain doesn't even exist. We're not allowed, you know, to even be in that pain. We're not. We're supposed to go outside, not get stressed out, come back inside, and then carry on. But unfortunately, and in reality, that is not how we live. No, 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 no. Many of us enter the world each day with pains and suffering that very few know about. Why? Because we're so used to carrying it on our own. Look at what happened during the 80s and 90s when most of our men got carted away to jail and our women were forced to be single parents. We got blamed for that too. You don't see us getting recognized for that. You don't see, like, pictures on Mother's Day, really, unless it's a black managed network, personifying 
uh, the black woman, the black mother. You don't see the black or brown woman being uplifted like that. We're not, we're not supposed to do that because just like slaves, I mean, how would you feel if you lost a baby and then you were lactating and then you had to breastfeed a baby that was not yours? That's just one excerpt of the torment that black and brown women endured during slavery. How would you feel if you're cleaning the house or you're out there on the field minding your good fucking business? And next thing you know, you're being sexually violated. And then you have to go back to work and exist like none of that happened. How would you feel? I wouldn't feel too happy. But you see, that was more obvious. And that's why that got that level of, oh my God. Now, when we talk about our pain, we get talked out of our pain more often than not. And we are told less about what we could do to be better. And even if we're told, we don't get the access to the resources we need. So many of our people are walking around right now, housing insecure, food insecure, job insecure. We have so many of our brothers and sisters who show up to work every day with a smile. I have been to many places and I've dealt with some of the best black and brown people just happy. I remember once I was at BJ's and I wasn't feeling great. And the guy who was doing attending to the deli section, he peeped it. You know, he noticed it. He was like, oh, you know, you don't seem pretty happy today, I guess, because in the past, you know, he noticed me, even though, I know that sounds kind of weird. He wasn't trying to stalk me. Don't worry. He just happened to notice that when I would come in, most times, I'd be happy. And this particular day, my allergies were worse, you know. I don't know if you could hear it, but it's acting up today. And he was so pleasant, he tried to cheer me up. What about when you go into the store? Nine out of ten times, it's a black or brown person that you hear say, good morning, good afternoon, how are you doing? How's it going? We are such nice people. We are. We're amazing fucking people, man. I don't know if you knew that. But we don't get the access and the opportunity that we should get to speak to and accentuate that. Because again, America loves tearing down black and brown people. I am very, very convinced of that. America is enthralled with the idea, the concept, the whole thing of ripping us apart. It loves it. It loves watching us suffer. It likes knowing that we can't find a job. It, it gets pride in abusing its power on us. And the other side to that is we don't have enough amongst us who support, protect, and empower us. And see, that's what they're afraid of. When we start to come together, we start to protect each other. We outnumber them just by population alone. You combine that population with the will and the desire for, th for true equity, liberation, you know, all of it, diversity. And we would be the ones in charge of that narrative too. It's a different, different dynamic. I'm not saying not to have white friends and colleagues and all of that. I'm just saying we have to be real here. As my friend, who is not from the Northeast, pointed out, and she grew up in the South, right? Um, 
you know, and I apologize for using the pronouns interchangeably. I wasn't trying to offend anyone, just in my thought process here. You know, she does use she, her. Um, but anywho, in our conversation, she was sharing that, you know, down south, you'll know who's racist. It's it's obvious to you. It's not a secret. It's not a question mark. It's not something to wonder about. Here in the Northeast, though, it's like an invisible air that's over us. We see it everywhere, right? But what the fuck are we going to do about it? And how long are we going to allow it to continue? That's the question. I would have assumed, I know that was silly me, who came from a country that looks like a Timberland boot, that with all the devastation and everything else that COVID did to us, one would think outside of that, we would have more white people saying, look, let's, let's revisit how we do things. Let's make sure we're hiring, retaining, training more black and brown people, not just to work there, but to become leaders. Let's make sure we're giving everybody a fair shot. Let's listen to that employee and find out what issues they're having with their transportation, and let's figure out how we could help them. Let's take care of each other more. But that's not what's happening. Instead, the Darwinism has taken on a different life. We see that all these talks about all these different funds and opportunities and this agency is doing that and there's this and there's that. But where are we in that conversation? Were we included or were we carefully left out? How are you talking about my oppression without me? That is one of the more insulting things to do a black or brown person. How are you going to sit here and talk about my oppression and my existence and what happened to me, but I'm not the one saying the words? Why, why? And why do we allow that to happen? Why aren't we being more forthright and saying, look, I love you, white comrade, but if you respect me and you want me and my people to grow, you'll understand why I need to take the forefront. Why are we so afraid to do that? Why is that such a fallacy? Why are we so okay with what we don't have? Why don't we realize and accept that less discrimination is still discrimination? Just because you didn't know the young person or whomever it was that got assaulted by the police, it doesn't mean they deserved it. Just because... You don't have to spend on your assets to qualify for Husky C. It doesn't mean income and asset limits should not be adjusted. Just because you own your house or condo and you have the means to survive, it doesn't mean we don't have a housing issue. Just because you could go into the grocery store and blind pick and pay for everything you want, it does not mean we don't have a food security problem. But we have to look at each other first as black and brown people. And we have to say, let's get through this together. The only way the gatekeeping and the gaslighting will stop is when we decide enough is fucking enough. Enough is enough now. We should not have an issue, especially in the Northeast, with seeing more black and brown leadership. And not just in some places, all places. It shouldn't be unheard of that Anybody receiving funding from the government is not ensuring that they have a diverse staff, there's equity, and there's inclusivity. There should be some type of check and balance in place to make sure that's happening. And also, 
we should know about these things and we should recognize we should be continually learning. See, most of us decided, or let me take that back. Again, I come from a place where we spoke about slavery as it was. In the social study books that I read, it wasn't Columbus discovered anything. Columbus rediscovered, okay? That's what I come from. I come from talking about this at a very young age. In this country, the main reason why so many people have issue with and struggle with unlearning and relearning and dealing with oppression and really helping guide diversity, equity, and inclusivity is because they're not able to, by either their own will or otherwise, understand and accept what led us here. We have black and brown people who turned their back on their own race. After slavery ended, they wanted to move into a less violent, because remember, we're always violent. So, of course, why not move next to white people? They won't be violent. Who the fuck told you that? Who the fuck? At least in the hood, we know who's shooting who and why. You might be living next door to somebody that's about to do a mass shooting and don't even know that, but you see, again, the stigma that was purported led you there. So what tends to happen when we have black and brown people who have not grown up in their own poor communities, they struggle when they're trying to work with them because they can't relate. So just like our conservative whites and others who uphold certain behaviors, they have to unlearn that and relearn certain things. And if you, as a white person, want to be part of the movement and really see the change, man, we need you all to get up and stand up now. We need you all to challenge this shit. You have the privilege to do that. You could sit there in the meetings. You could sit there and call the person. You could arrange that conversation and challenge. You could do that. But do you want to? And for the ones who don't, why? We should be having so many black and brown agencies and organizations leading the charge right now to help with the effects of COVID, the joblessness, the food insecurity, the housing insecurity. That's who should be leading that. Immigration reform. It's too much virtue signaling. And all that is a recreation of slavery. It looks good on the outside, but it's bullshit on the inside. You understand? I'm not saying slavery is good. Don't come for me. I didn't say that. I'm saying that's how subliminal racism works. It looks real good and cool on the outside. But there's a lot of fuckery happening on the inside that more often than not goes along and on. And that's the part where we need our white comrades to really step in and address this shit. You know, and you could do it from whatever stance. If you're a board member, you could do it. You could start asking questions. You know, how come we had all these people leave? What's wrong with that? How come we only have one black person on staff? Like, what was really good? What's going on in these interviews? Right? Why are we still struggling to have interpretation and other forms of communication to facilitate community conversations? Why is that a problem? You know, challenge these things head on and help us work past that. But by sitting there and giving your fellow white people a high five or ignoring it, again, if you haven't, I invite you to, and if you have, I, I, I would like you to do it again, watch the Underground Railroad. It's still happening. It's still happening. The oppression never changed. It just got redesigned. The plantation is not outside. 
okay? It's in the offices now. It's on the job. It's in the prison. It's in the school. The plantation got way bigger. It's way bigger now. And in that, there's a lot of white saviorism. There's a lot of white people want to save the world. And it's all about them. And I did this for this one. And I did that for that one. You need to challenge that. You need to say, nah, enough is enough. And if you are part of or you are representative of or affiliated with an organization that serves primarily the black and brown community, you should encourage us to be well represented in it. Nothing about us without us. It should not be a Pandora's box. We should not be seeing so many agencies that claim to care about the community. But then you look at the board of directors and the staff and it's like, oh, really? When do you care about the community? At lunchtime? It shouldn't be a thing that, you know, we have publications coming from state state and city and local entities, and there's no type of sign language or other languages, any type of interpretation support. That should not be happening. But it does. Why? That's gatekeeping. When you gatekeep people like that, what are you doing it for? You're doing it because why? You don't want them to go past a certain point. So we need our white comrades. I'm calling on you. I'm asking you. I need you to step up. I need you to say that was wrong. Make that phone call. Call out that judgment. Have that conversation. If you don't do it now, then when will you? Okay? And you have to recognize that there's going to be times when some of these conversations might make you uncomfortable. You might not like what you're about to hear or realize from the people that you thought were down like you, but all the while they were not. They were not. They were just sitting there collecting that paycheck. They know, they know how to show up on a show. They know how to show up in a meeting. They know how to be seen. Call for that change. Demand it. Demand it. It should not be a question. It should not be a question. You should not have a problem challenging the systems. If you say that you're about liberation, if you claim that you want the equity, if you claim that it's all about us, stop the damn gatekeeping and gaslighting. We should not have the same people handling the same businesses in different spaces. When it comes to community conversations, and community projects. We can't have the same people who are receiving the money deciding how the money is spent. Diversify that shit. Y'all have to remember, Republicans sit in high places, all right? And a lot of these people operate in spaces that might blow your mind, hospitals, nonprofits, community-serving organizations, okay? Let me tell you something. Uh-huh. I don't want to be too specific with this because this is something that is close to me, right? But I firsthand saw the extent to which white people would go to extend their political ideologies to the point that they would shut a business the fuck down. That is not unheard of. If they don't feel like you are following their political ideologies, they'll get rid of you and they'll burn it all the fuck down. That's what they do when they feel that their privilege is being threatened. My question to the white people, the alleged comrades, the people who claim to be about the equity, diversity, and inclusivity of black and brown people, what are you going to do? Are you going to continue to watch us 
work these jobs and get laid off all the time? Are you going to continue to watch us work these jobs, be good at the job, but never be promoted or respected? Is that what you want to continue to do in Big Bad Northeast? Are you going to continue to create these programs that are about us but doesn't include us at the leadership or decision-making? Is that what we're doing? Are we going to continue um, disabling our school system? We took away the before and after school. What else are you going to take now? What else are you going to take? You know, you'd rather put police. You're going to create, like, many jails. That's your answer? That's the answer? Because to me, none of that sounds liberating. That just sounds like slavery revised. It sounds like all the masses, the slave catchers got together and decided, all right, here's what we're going to keep them in check today. That's what that sounds like. And I'm challenging the Northeast. We could do way better. You've seen what's going on down south. You've seen how aggressive they are. Donald Trump showed up in New York. And he looked right at the damn fucking camera like, what? I didn't say I support him. I didn't say I, I'm his supporter. Definitely not that. But my point is, he's so confident in his white supremacy. It's swag to him. Now, in saying all of that, I didn't say you all need to go get violent. No, 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 no. It starts with us educating and re-educating ourselves. It goes on with us supporting each other and encouraging and challenging. Read the rooms. Challenge the bullshit. Encourage the person. Support them. Help them. Help them. You could do it. We are broken. They keep putting the whip on our back, man. They're taking away our jobs. They're taking away our food. They're taking away our housing. They're taking away our dignity. They're taking away everything. But then they go on TV or or they make it seem like they care so much. It's all this virtue signaling. It needs to stop. And it's so normalized here in the Northeast. It's fucking ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The You know, the racism is that normalized. In the Northeast, as my friend mentioned, she saw it in the short time that she's been here. She peeped the difference. Like she said to me more than once, the one thing about down south is either you're racist or you're not. The problem with the Northeast is... We say we're progressive. They claim they're progressive. Actions speak louder than words. Why don't we have a black governor yet in Connecticut? That's interesting. I thought we were so progressive out here. What's the problem? Oh, I'm sorry. We're only allowed to have black leadership now and again. This, that, let that leadership be smart and capable. That's even a bigger problem because they're very threatened by us. Some aren't, but most are. The minute they realize we have more impact and influence, it's a problem. It's uh-oh. Or that we're here to actually do what we say we're about. You say you want to empower the community. Here's how we could do it. That's what I'm doing. Except that's not how they really want to do it. Right? We need to realize we have a big, big, big problem with subliminal racism, you know, in the Northeast in general. The oppression is normalized. The discrimination is less, but that doesn't mean it's okay. In fact, if anything, it may seem like it's less and turn out to be more. My question is, how much is too much? When are you going to get up and stand up and say enough is enough? When are you going to get fed up of the gaslighting and gatekeeping of black and brown people? When is that going to be too much? When are you going to start to say, all right, we need to really make this fair. We can't have people serving on the same role 
in five different boards. Like, you can't have the cross-contamination. Let's put some controls. Let's really say what we mean when we say we want to address racism in this country and in this state. Let's not just make these words. I feel like we declared racism, we decided to make it a study, and then we went around along with our lives, and nothing got resolved. And it's all intersectional. It is absolutely all intersectional. Who do you think gets most impacted by the income and asset limits when it comes to qualifying for Husky, the black and brown people? Who's most impacted by food insecurity? Who shows up to the grocery store and has to put down the other meat and get this meat because the price difference? Who does that? Who has to sit there and penny pinch to pay their light bill? Who has to figure out where they're going to live next month because they don't know if they could hold on to their house any longer or their apartment or their room? Who has to do that? Who has to work two jobs, each of which pay below the minimum wage or at the minimum wage and survive on that? It's us. And who gets to sit there and help each other out and find ways to write each other in and support each other and recreate and create rules and ensure that their path to higher education is flawless. Who does that? See, again, the slavery never ended. It just got revised. The question is, where's the underground railroad now? Hmm. I'll leave you with that one for now. So if you want to check us out, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Just have to put in Black and Brown United in action. It will come right up. Sorry. I'm having a little allergy issue. So if you hear me, you could hear it. Like, I'm trying not to sneeze and talk at the same time, so I apologize. So let me rephrase that. If you'd like to keep going with us, you want to stay tuned on all what we have going on, I invite you to like, follow, and share our pages on Instagram, Facebook, and on TikTok, Black and Brown United in Action. If you have thoughts on what I just said or a podcast idea, you'd like to be a guest on the show and talk about that, feel free to reach out as well. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time... Fist up, smile on. This is CJ, and this was the sound of black and brown. Peace.